you ever had that experience when you, you open a really good book to read it and you just plan to read the first chapter, but after you've read the first chapter, you think it's so good that you read the second chapter and then you read the third chapter and then you basically feel like you don't want to do anything else other than finish the book. I tell you, I have that experience occasionally and I had it on two particular experiences when I read these books. Anyone recognize the cover of these books? Yes. This book, The Shock of Your Life, The Yellow Book, and The Red Book, Aftershock, are two magnificent books for you to read. They will tell you the story, and it is a story, of a young person who dies and discovers what happens after you die, and then who returns from the dead and works out what that means for his life back on the earth. And they will answer loads of your questions. They will be useful to train you in understanding the truth from the scriptures. But they'll also be useful in helping you to have conversations with your friends. They are brilliant books to give to people who don't believe in Jesus, who don't know what they think about the afterlife. And the author of these books is none other than Adrian Holloway. So give it up for him tonight, please, as he comes to preach to us. Good evening, everybody. I thought that uh, just for a bit of a laugh, uh, I would begin by telling you the hilarious true story of how we chose the name of our fourth daughter. My wife, Julia, goes into labor. We're in the back of the ambulance. We are racing to the hospital. And in the back of the ambulance, it occurs to me that we don't have another girl's name, if it is going to be another girl, because we have used up all our girls' names on our first three daughters. And so, looking for a bit of last-minute inspiration, you may be amused to know I asked the ambulance lady, by the way, what's your name? And she said, Tanith. I said, pardon? She said, Tanith. I said, oh, uh, how do you spell that? She said, T-A-N-I-T-H. She said, do you know what it means? I said, uh, no. She said, it means the serpent lady. <laughs> so, we called our baby girl, Emma. And it was, it was so wonderful to have Emma in our family, to have this new life. And when you became a Christian, the Bible says that you started a new life in Christ. And so just for a bit of fun at the start, I thought we would spin through 10 tip-top facts about who you are in Christ. So here's number one. Number one, you are a child of God. God is your father and he loves you. The Bible says that to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, God gave the right to be called children of God for that is what you are. And so if you ever doubt, hmm, does God really love me? Maybe that's all just talk. All you need to do is look at the cross, because there's the evidence. The evidence that God really, truly, factually does love you is that he gave up what was most precious to him, his one and only son, just to get you. That's how valuable you are. Number two, the Bible says that you now have eternal life. God so loved you that he gave his only son so that you, if you believe in him, won't perish, but instead you will have eternal life. Hey, you're going to heaven in Christ. But that's not all. We're not just simply looking forward to one day going to heaven in the future. No, in this life, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Jesus has an abundant life in store for you in this life right now. Now, what's that abundant life based on? It's based on the fact that when you became a Christian, you became spiritually a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So something profound happened to you. Now you're in Christ. Anything you did wrong before you ever became a Christian, it's all dealt with. And you might say, yeah, but 
What about all those sins that I've committed since I became a Christian? Well, the good news is that on Judgment Day, when you stand before a holy God, there won't be any condemnation at all because the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ. This is just getting better and better. Number six, the Bible says that now you have peace with God. So you've got peace behind you in your past. All your sins are forgiven. All these future sins are forgiven. In Christ, there's no condemnation. You've got peace on your left. You've got peace on your right. You've got peace with God. Your, your, your shoes, your flip-flops are peace. Your, your jeans are peace. Your, your shorts are peace. Your T-shirt is peace. You've got the peace of God wherever you go. And the Bible says now that nothing can ever separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing can crop up in the future that will sever or amputate you from the love of Christ. This is absolutely fantastic news. And not only are you in Christ, but the Bible says that Christ is in you. That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives where? In the sky? No, in you. This is fantastic. Things are really looking very, very good, wouldn't you say? Oh, but Adrian, what about all those difficult things, all the tough things in life, all the difficult circumstances, the challenges, all the sad, hard things that happen? Okay, these are realities we have to face. But the Bible says that even in those tough times, God is at work, even in those difficult things for your good, that he's going to bring something positive out of it. Romans 8, 28. And tenthly and finally, folks, this evening, the Bible says, here's an amazing conclusion, that now you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And you might say, no, no, whoa, 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 whoa. Clearly, I am seated in a hot tent. Uh, I am not actually in heavenly places. I'm, I'm in a very nice place. I'm in a tent. You know, things could be worse. No, no, you might as well be in heaven. Why? Because you're booked straight through. You see, now you're in Christ. Well, where's Christ? Is he in Palestine? No. Is he in Israel? No. He's in heavenly places, yeah? He ascended, and you're in him. That means that you might as well already be there. Your place in heaven is guaranteed. So things are really looking pretty good, wouldn't you agree? You're in Christ. This is fantastic. And so here's the best news. Every single morning, when you wake up, you can think about who you are in Christ. You see, you don't need the approval of other people in order for you to start feeling good about who you are. You can now start waking up every morning feeling good about who you are in Christ because it's who God says you are. That's who you really are. And so all of heaven is cheering you on. You've got your divine destiny that you're stepping into because you know what? There's never been anyone exactly like you ever before. And incidentally, there never will be anyone exactly like you ever again. So you have something to offer this world that nobody else can or ever will do. And so almighty God is in your side. You've got your new identity. You know who you are in Christ. So what? If all these things are true of me in Christ, what could possibly stop me from enjoying this abundant, overcoming, victorious Christian life that Jesus died for me to have? I mean, what could possibly stop you from enjoying this abundant, victorious Christian life that Jesus died for you to have? Well, Jesus gives us an answer to that question. In the one prayer that probably everyone in this tent has memorized. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Do you notice in the Lord's Prayer... Jesus already assumed that people would have sinned against you, that people would have hurt you, that people would have offended you. Now, some offenses are easy 
to forgive. Let me tell you a funny, true story about something that happened to me one time. One time, I was driving along late at night in my car on my own. As I'm driving along, I see these flashing blue lights in my rearview mirror. I am being pulled over by the police. Now, I have to tell you that this has happened to me quite a number of times. And normally, usually when I am pulled over by the police, I immediately feel guilty because I already know what I have done wrong. But on this occasion, I have to say, folks, that uh, I couldn't actually think of anything that I had done wrong. So I was thinking, well, you know, maybe the policeman's just bored, you know, or, or, or may, maybe he's seen how well I'm driving and he just wants to stop me and congratulate me for my driving. Or maybe, oh, oh I know, I know, he's seen my Christian car sticker. He's seen how well I'm driving. He's put the two together. He's going to ask me about Jesus. So I was feeling pretty confident as I wound down my window. And the police officer says, is this your vehicle, sir? I said, well, yes, yes, as a matter of fact, it is. He says, were you aware that you were indicating for at least 200 yards before you eventually turned right to the previous junction? And I'm thinking, you know, I hadn't realized that early indication was an offense. He says, step out of the vehicle, please, sir. I said, why? He said, when was the last time you had an alcoholic drink? I said, um, gosh, I mean, that's actually quite a good question. Um, three months ago? He said, blow into this bag, please, sir. I said, why are you getting me to do a breath test? He said, because your responses to my questions are a bit slow. I said, look, I'm just a slow kind of guy. I mean, I'm not the brightest. I'm a bit slow on the uptake. So anyway, I blow into the breathalyzer kit. I hand it to him and I say to him, it's negative, isn't it? He said, yes, sir, it is negative. It must be broken. He said, have you been taking drugs, sir? I said, no. He said, cocaine, sir? I said, no. He said, ecstasy, sir? I said, no. And then eventually, he let me go with a stern warning about the perils of early indication before junctions. But although that was a bit annoying, it was a bit inconvenient, it wasn't really a big deal. Hey, what about all those times when it is a big deal? All the times when we're really offended and it's hard, it's not easy to forgive. And we boldly, confidently say to God, forgive us our trespasses as we have already forgiven everyone who has trespassed against us. Well, have you? Have you forgiven everyone who has hurt you? Have you forgiven everyone whose sin, we, we just told God that we had forgiven everyone who has sinned against us. I have to confess to you that I have committed the sin of unforgiveness. In fact, I would be ashamed if you knew how long I struggled with the sin of unforgiveness. Who didn't I forgive? What did they do to me? Well, I have promised to not go around telling everybody about the wrong that I believed had been done to me, but suffice to say, I had never been hurt so deeply. And at the time, I thought that my unforgiveness was okay because I thought that what they had done to me was so bad, was so wrong. But here, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches me that I should forgive totally. Do you know, it was the hardest thing that I have ever been asked to do. 
And tonight, I'm going to ask you to do something which could be the hardest thing that you have ever been asked to do. I am going to ask you tonight to totally forgive the person who hurts you. I'm going to ask you to express that tonight by writing their name down and then we will move this cross onto the carpet right in front of the stage and you will have an opportunity as you write their name down and nobody will ever see, no human being will ever see what you've written, fold up the piece of paper and every single one of you will have the chance to put it into the cross. And as you're doing that, and we have thousands of pencils and thousands of pieces of paper for you to do this, as you're doing that, there'll be others. And you'll be writing on your piece of paper, you'll write your own name. Why? Because you have forgiven others, but you have never forgiven yourself for something that you did wrong. Hey, it's hardly total forgiveness if you've not yet forgiven yourself. And so you'll do that tonight, and you'll feel so much better when you do. You'll forgive yourself. And still others, while they're writing, you'll just write three letters. G-O-D. Because you've been living with a grudge against God. You've resented God for something that he allowed to happen in the world. Now, before all of that, the band will come back, we'll sing a song, and then I'll give an invitation for anyone here who's not yet in Christ. Hey, those 10 things I mentioned at the start, you're not sure that they are yet true of you, so you'll have an opportunity to be in Christ. And then every single one of us here We'll have the opportunity as we move this cross down, we'll sing another song, and then you'll all have a piece of paper, you'll all have a pen, you'll all have a chance to totally forgive the person who hurt you. And for some of you, it will be genuinely the hardest thing that you've ever been asked to do. You see, it's not easy to forgive. One reason why we have got this cross on the stage is as a visual reminder that it was not easy for God to forgive our sins. I repeat to you that this was the hardest thing that I have ever been asked to do. But it was also the greatest thing that I have ever been asked to do. And the good news is that as I began to forgive, a new joy came into my heart. I'm talking on this subject tonight to help anyone here who has been hurt by other people, however deeply. Have you been hurt by someone else? Yes? Well, this talk is for you. So first, we need to come to terms with the fact that we have been hurt. We need to come to terms with the reality of what's happened. Let me quickly tell you a funny story about a friend of ours called Angela. And Angela is a lady who lives in a rural part of the UK where there's only one bus a day. And she's, this is a snowy day. And she's waiting for the one bus to come. And you know what it's like, you know, the, still the bus doesn't come and it's getting colder. And there are these two other ladies also at the bus stop with Angela, two ladies she doesn't know. And still the bus doesn't come. And she starts to think, well, maybe the bus isn't coming at all. And just when she's about to give up and go home, this lady driver pulls up at the bus stop. She winds down the window and she calls out to these three ladies, do you want a lift? And Angela thinks, well, yeah, <laughs> that's just what I need, actually. So Angela and these two other ladies, they get into the back seat of this lady's car. And so picture the scene. This lady driver's driving along, and she's got these three ladies on the back seat, Angela in the middle, and these two ladies that she doesn't know either side of her. And Angela said, you know what the funny thing was? 
There was absolutely no conversation. No one said anything. Five minutes later, still driving on, total silence. No conversation at all. After 15 minutes, these four ladies in the car still, no one has spoken. And then the lady on Angela's right, she starts speaking to the driver and it's obvious that these two ladies already know each other. And then the lady on Angela's left-hand side, she joins in the conversation and it's obvious that she already knows both the driver and the lady on Angela's right. And then that's the moment when the dawning realization comes to Angela that what's really happened here is that this lady's been driving a car on a snowy day. She goes past the bus stop and she sees two of her friends. And she... She winds down the window and she says to her two friends that she sees at the bus stop, oh, do you want a lift? And they get into the car, but as they get into the car, this random other person, (laughs) Angela, gets into the car as well. But folks, because they were British and because they hadn't been introduced, nobody said anything. (laughs) And I just want to say tonight, that in every other country in the world, somebody would have said something. In every other country in the world, somebody would have said, oh, actually, you know what? We all know each other, but hey, would you like a lift as well? What's your name? No, but because they were British and because they hadn't been introduced, they just sat there in total silence. And I want to say that there are some times in life when the right thing to do is to say something. And if someone has hurt you, it may well help you to come to terms with what's happened by talking to at least one other person. And maybe they can even act as a counselor to help you process what's happened to you. Jesus told his disciples In Luke 17, verse 1, that offenses will come. It is inevitable. And that's why Jesus Christ put these offenses right in the heart of the Lord's Prayer, this world-famous prayer. And some offenses are appalling. For example, child abusers should be reported to the police immediately. We're all clear about that. Child abusers should be reported to the police immediately. But the offenses that I've had to forgive are not things that need to be reported to the police. Tonight, I'm talking about all the stuff that's not that serious, all the stuff that's not that bad, but times when you or I are hurt and we want to get even. We want revenge. We're hurt, and at the very least, we end up holding a grudge against that person. You may well have gone through some disappointments. Things in your life may well have not turned out the way that you had hoped. People may have treated you wrong. You may have suffered some major setbacks. Perhaps somebody cheated you or lied about you. You may have good reasons for feeling the way that you do. You may have gone through things in life that no one deserves to experience. Maybe you have every reason to be angry and bitter. So we need to come to terms with the fact that we have been hurt. But nobody, not even God, ever promised that this life would be fair. Nobody, not even God promised that this life would be fair. So let's talk about what total forgiveness is not. Total forgiveness is not you approving of what they did. No one's asking you tonight to do that. Total forgiveness is not you excusing what you did, no one's asking you to do that. Total forgiveness is not pretending that you're okay. 
Nobody's asking you to do that. Total forgiveness is not you being reconciled. Hey, the chances are that relationship is never going to be the same again. But that isn't your fault. Besides, it takes two to be reconciled. Total forgiveness is not you forgetting what they did. I mean, some people, sometimes people say, um, oh, there, there, never mind. Forgive and forget. What? Forget? How, how, how am I supposed to just forget what happened to me? No, tonight, the good news is we're going to hear just two really good reasons to forgive. And the first of them is because of what Jesus did on the cross. You see, Jesus didn't just teach us to forgive. No, Jesus gave us forgiveness. You see, at the cross, you got totally forgiven. Now, what does it mean to be totally forgiven? It means that you won't be punished for any of your sins. Nobody will ever know about your sins because God won't tell. Fantastic. For example, when Peter is launching the Christian church, he's one of the first Christians and he's preaching about what Jesus did on the cross. He says about your sins that your sins have been wiped out. Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Your sins have gone. Where? Where where have my sins gone? What happened to them? Well, they were taken by Jesus. The Bible says that God, the Father, has laid on Jesus the iniquity or the sin of us all. 1 John 1.7 says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. You have received total forgiveness. That is why it's so liberating. That is why it's so freeing. Every single thing that you ever did wrong has been forgiven. And you didn't deserve it. Oh, hang on a minute. Remember, our whole problem, our whole problem is that we know that the person who hurt us doesn't deserve to be forgiven. And just to say, for all I know, that's absolutely right. Hey, for all I know, the person who hurt you doesn't deserve to be forgiven. But neither do I. And at the cross, God totally forgave me. And Jesus, 12 disciples practiced forgiveness, and their forgiveness transformed the early world. Now, just think about this humorously with me for a second. Let's imagine now that you lived on the moon in 33 AD, and you look down on the Mediterranean world, and now you have to bet your life on either the message of 12 fishermen who teach and practice forgiveness and worship a crucified carpenter, their message of forgiveness, taking over the entire Roman Empire within 300 years, or, alternatively, you can bet on the might of the Roman Empire crushing the message of the 12 fishermen within a generation. Now, who would your money be on? You bet on the Romans crushing the message of the fishermen within a generation. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, now we name our children, Thomas, Andrew, Peter, James, and Andrew, and we name our dogs, Caesar and Nero. Okay, a second positive reason to forgive is because you will feel better if you forgive. You see, holding a grudge doesn't make you feel happy. You replaying what they did to you doesn't help you 
to feel better. It makes you feel worse. And it means that you are letting the person who hurt you have power over you. You see, you're captive as long as you're drinking in unforgiveness. And slowly, as you drink this drink, you become increasingly a bitter person. Have you ever tasted something bitter? Well, it's like we're carrying around this poison, this toxic waste of unforgiveness. And when we don't forgive, we're not hurting the other person. We're hurting ourselves. Unforgiveness is like you drinking poison, hoping that your enemy will die. Unforgiveness hurts you. So don't hold on to feelings of bitterness and resentment and let them poison your future. Forgive the people who did you wrong and forgive yourself for any mistakes you may have made. You will never be truly happy as long as you harbor unforgiveness in your heart. Yeah, but Adrian, listen, why did it happen to me? Answer, I don't know. But when we're hurt, we have a choice. We can hold on to the bitterness, hold on to the grudge, or we can choose to be free. Don't let bitterness into your system. For your emotional and spiritual health, you cannot afford to keep drinking this poison any longer. You can't do anything about your past, but you can do something about your future. Don't let this poison contaminate your life. Tonight, you're deciding, I refuse to drink the poison of unforgiveness any longer. Can you imagine yourself drinking from a crystal clear stream? You know, there was this tribe who lived in a mountainous region of Africa, and they had this beautiful, clear crystal clear supply of drinking water that trickled down the mountain. But one day, that clear drinking water started to taste bitter. And a couple of days after that, some people in the village started to become sick and ill. And so the village leaders, do you know what they did? They got together, and as one, they started to walk up the mountain, and they traced the stream all the way up to the top of the mountain to its source. And they found that their drinking water came out of a stream that came out of a cave. And when they looked into the cave, inside the cave, some wild pigs had somehow got into the cave, but having got in, they couldn't climb out. And so the pigs had died in the cave and now their bodies were starting to decompose. And this beautiful clear water was flowing over the bodies of the decomposing pigs. And so do you know what the village leaders did? They climbed into the cave, they got hold of the dead pigs, they carried them out and they burnt the bodies of the dead pigs. And the water flowed clear and clean again. All the people in the village who were sick were healed. And tonight, that can happen to you. If you will begin to forgive the people who offended you, if you, will res if you will get rid of all the hurts and pains, the bitterness will leave you and you will feel like a crystal clear stream once again. And you can begin to experience the joy and the peace that God intended for you to have. Forgive the person who hurt you. Forgive the friend who betrayed you. Get rid of the poison. And when you do start to forgive tonight, here's the best bit. You will start to feel good. The bitterness is gone. You feel clean. You're like a pure stream, no longer polluted by feelings of unforgiveness. Okay, you say, I'm listening to your talk. One question Let's say I do get rid of the poison. What happens, just by the way, what happens to the poison? Well, we know what happens to the poison. 
Because the night before he died, Jesus Christ was lying on the ground in the garden of Gethsemane praying for you. And he was praying for you that night so hard that the Bible says that drops of blood came out of his forehead and went into the soil. And he was literally praying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup be taken from me. But yet, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus Christ was praying for you that night. And his prayer was a very logical prayer. He was praying, Father, if there's any way, if there's any way that, for example, Ben and Joshua and Emily and Chloe and all the rest, if there's any way that they could ever get to go to heaven without me having tomorrow to go to the cross and having to drink the punishment for all of the sins who would ever trust in me, if there's any way that I can avoid the cross, if I can avoid separation from you, my loving Father, then please, Father, can we do that? Can we, can we avoid the cross? Can I, can I avoid the cross? But yet, if there isn't another way, by all means, not, not my will, but yours be done. And he finished his prayer. And when he finished his prayer, when he finished the prayer, folks, the heavens were silent because there was no other way. Now, why was there no other way? There was no other way because let's say, let's think about all the times that I have hurt many other people. Well, that's my fault, yeah? So I need to drink that back on judgment day. That's my bad, yeah? So I'm going to have to drink my cup. Any punishment for those sins is coming to me. So the only way that I could ever avoid having to drink the punishment for all of the sins that I've committed would be if somebody else drank the cup. I mean, they're still real sins. So if I'm not going to drink my cup, well, somebody's got to. That is exactly what Jesus was volunteering to do for you. And the second thing is that because heaven is a perfect place, because the Bible says about heaven that nothing impure will ever enter it. It says in the book of Revelation that nothing impure will ever enter heaven. That would mean that if you or I were to ever have any hope of ever going to heaven, we would have to find a perfect person and then having found them, somehow get ourselves into them so that when God looks at them, we can come into heaven because of how good they are. Ladies and gentlemen, there is only one person who's ever lived who fits that criteria. He's the person who drank your cup on the cross. And on that moment, as he's drinking back your cup, and as he's giving you, there's a swap going on. He's giving you his righteousness. He's giving you his perfection. As he's drinking your cup, and he drank in the cup, and as he drank it down to his boat, very drenched, he said, it is finished. It's finished. It's finished. It's finished, he said. I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus Christ drank your cup so that you don't have to. He died on the cross so that you don't have to. He drank your cup, he bore your shame. And so, in that sense, when we think about the worst moments of our lives, Jesus has been there. Have you been mocked? Jesus was mocked on the cross. Have you been shamed? Jesus was shamed on the cross. Have you been broken? Jesus was broken on the cross. It happened. Have you been rejected by your friends? Jesus was rejected by his friends. Are you hated for no good reason? Jesus was hated for no good reason. And when we cry out and we complain, I can't take it anymore. We can think of Jesus being tortured and killed on the cross. And still he forgave. I mean, as they're literally killing him, Jesus prayed for the crucifixion team that were on that day. He said, oh, Father, forgive them. Now, I don't know where you're at with this. You may be listening along, thinking in your heart, and I wouldn't blame you for thinking this, Adrian, 
this talk, you know, it's all well and good. But Adrian, listen, you have absolutely no idea what they did to me. I can't forgive, you might be saying. It's too hard. They hurt me too badly. And I want to say, you are absolutely right. I have absolutely no idea what they did to you. But there is one thing that I do know, and it's this. If you feel like you have been left in life holding this ball and chain of unforgiveness, and you're staggering under the weight of it, if this is you, here's the one thing that I know about you. That at some point in the future, I don't know, maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next year, maybe 10 years from now, I know that this thing is going to start feeling really heavy. And folks, that is why tonight Jesus is asking you to let it go, to let it go. And you can do that tonight. Jesus forgave the people who were killing him. You see, you're not forgiving for their sake. You're forgiving for your sake. You're forgiving so that you won't have to carry this thing all through the rest of your life. You're deciding tonight, I'm not going to allow this person to hurt me any longer. I'm not going to continue through life. Because the truth is tonight, folks, you're not hurting them at all by holding on to this thing. Tonight, how can you enjoy this overcoming, victorious Christian life if you're holding this thing for the next 10 years? Tonight, Jesus is asking you to let it go. And here's something else that's important for us to understand. Live a life of forgiveness. Don't go around trying to pay people back. Don't go around trying to get revenge. God sees every wrong that's been done to you. God sees every person who has ever hurt you. And he is, God is keeping the record. And God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. So don't elbow in on God's territory. If the person who hurt you should be punished in this life, God will do it. God will take care of what needs to be taken care of if you don't step in and try and do it for him. Maybe you've suffered a setback. Things didn't work out the way that you'd hoped. Don't go around trying to figure out something that you can't change. You can't unscramble eggs. Maybe somebody rejected you. Well, you can hold your head up high knowing God accepts you. Ultimately, I had to make an important decision. Which do I prefer? The peace or the bitterness? And having lived on both sides of this, I can tell you that the bitterness isn't worth it. The peace is better. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you agree with them. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you think they're right. Forgiveness means freedom for you. Tonight, Jesus is asking you to let it go. Maybe the band could come and join me. Tonight, you're deciding I refuse to keep my life on hold waiting for my enemy to say sorry. I refuse to waste any more time waiting for an apology that may never come. Tonight, I'm deciding I'm going to get happy before I ever get an apology, besides which this apology might never come, so I'm going to do myself a favor and I'm going to let it go. 
Because the alternative, folks, tonight is you holding on to that offense, saying, do you know what? I'm so angry about what you did to me, and what you did to me was so unfair. Do you know what I'm going to do to get back at you? I'm going to keep holding on to this offense for the next 10 years. Ha! See how you like that. And meanwhile, the person who hurt you, they either, either they don't know that you're still offended, or if they do know that you're still offended, they still don't think that they did anything wrong. And so they are not going to forgive and apologize. And so here's something positive that you can bring out of what is a negative situation. You decide tonight to forgive first without you ever getting an apology. You decide tonight to let it go. Now remember, remember, you're not doing this for them. This is something that you do for you. Tonight, Jesus is asking you to do yourself a favor. The score's not even, but let it go. You didn't get the last word, but let it go. They never paid you back the money, but let it go. Because you're too big to think that small. You're too great to be that low. You're too tall to be that tiny. This is something you do for you. You decide to let it go. It's not about them. It is about you doing yourself a favor. And you might say, finally, Adrian, you're asking me to let it go. Let it go where? Well, I'll finish with this. That at the cross, Jesus carried your load. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And he carried your load to the cross. And there at the cross... Jesus was carrying millions of burdens, millions of offenses, billions of hurts, offensive remarks. They hurled insults at him on the cross. He became an offense for you. He drank your cup so that you don't have to. He was offended. He was despised. He was rejected so that you could be included, so that you could be healed, so that you could be free, so that you could live the victorious Christian life that Jesus died for you to have. You can be free tonight. Don't you want that? You can have it tonight. We're going to sing a song in a second. Then I'm going to give an invitation for anyone who's not yet in Christ to become in Christ. And then after that, there'll be an opportunity for all of us here to take part in a mass act of forgiveness. I'll move this cross down. Everyone will be given a piece of paper and a pencil and we'll have loads of time You can forgive, and tonight, you can do yourself a favor. You can be free if you want to be. Let's stand, shall we? Tonight, it's your chance to let the past be past at last. And maybe tonight, you're not sure that you are in Christ. Maybe those 10 things we mentioned at the start aren't yet true of you, but they can be true of you because you can be in Christ in just a few minutes time. How so? Well, we heard Jesus forgiving people from the cross, but you know that's not all because Jesus was crucified in between two thieves, one on his left, one on his right. And the the Romans didn't usually crucify people for stealing, so we think these thieves must have committed a more serious crime. Why am I telling you this? Because they were under the sentence of death. Remember we were talking about Jesus on the cross Remember we were saying how as Jesus was there on the cross that he was in this situation where he was suspended between heaven and earth? Well, heaven is a perfect place and nothing impure can ever enter heaven. And so that's a big deal for us because if we're separated from God by the wrong things that we have done, we're cut off from him, then we're facing the same death penalty that this thief was under. We're facing spiritual death. And that's the situation we're in. I'm not good enough for a perfect heaven. You're not good enough for a perfect heaven. And so that's the bad news, but it's the end of the bad news. Because although according to Matthew's and Mark's gospel, both of these thieves started out hurling insults at Christ. Jesus is getting it from his left and his right. Hey, according to Luke's story, what happens next is that one of the thieves, let's say he's the guy on the left-hand side, he has a change of heart. He has a change of mind. He comes to his senses. He swallows his pride. And then he turns to Jesus and he asks the question, Jesus, remember me? 
Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom? And in reply, Jesus said something so wonderful that I always imagine that when you read this next verse out in a church in, I don't know, Lagos, Nigeria, I always imagine the whole church cheers. So, whoa, 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 whoa. so I'll ask the question, and when you hear the answer, if you like Jesus' answer, you can cheer. So the thief says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus replied, truly, I say unto you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. What an amazing promise. What an amazing promise. That's got to be just about the best thing that any human being could ever hear from anyone on earth to be personally guaranteed by Jesus Christ paradise. You can receive the same guarantee that that thief received right now. Just think about it for the moment. For the point of view of the thief. I mean, imagine this guy. He's there on Jesus' left-hand side. He's there at the most famous moment in history. He, can, he actually watches Jesus of Nazareth die. He was there, alive. And then about, we don't know, maybe 15 minutes later, the soldiers came along and broke his legs and his mate's legs. And so then they died. So one second after the thief dies, he wakes up in paradise. Well, with Jesus. I mean, hey, don't you think that, don't you think that, don't you think that his first thought must have been, man, did I ever make the right decision on the cross? Because, you know, I was dissing Jesus, just like my mate, we were having a go at him. But then I thought, my goodness, what am I doing? And so I changed my mind, and all I said was, oh, we're getting punished justly as our sins deserve. This man's done nothing wrong. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And now look where I am. Fantastic. But you know what? As he looked around in paradise, one thing he would have noticed, his mate wasn't there. Because Jesus only ever said to one of these two thieves, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus never said it to both thieves. What do we learn from that? We learn that you can be yards away from Jesus Christ. You can be just a few feet away from Jesus Christ and never make it to heaven. You can be standing in this tent tonight in a second world prayer prayer, a prayer of response. And then I'll invite those who want to make that prayer their prayer to raise their hand and to come to the front. And loads of people may be coming forward. Loads of hands may be up all around you, but... Instead of coming forward, you stay right where you are and you miss out. You never experience this paradise. You never experience eternal life. Instead, you're still in eternal death, eternal suffering. You spend eternity without God because you never responded when you had the chance. Jesus is holding out to you now eternal life. And if you respond like our thief did, then there'll be nothing separating you from God's love because all of your sins are taken by Christ who drank your cup, who carried your load. And with nothing in the way, you've got that peace with God. And tonight, you can be embraced back in the arms of your loving, heavenly Father. How about that? Okay, now, I'm going to ask you to do something that I know you can do. This is your opportunity. Maybe you're not sure that you are a Christian. The Bible says that God will never leave you or forsake you. A God who loved you that much. You can know the love of God right now. And many of you here, you know you need this forgiveness from God. And maybe one of these three statements is true of you. Maybe firstly, there's never been a time or a period in your life when you've given the whole of your life to Christ. Maybe that's true of you. Secondly, Maybe it's true of you that you don't know for sure that if, perish the thought, you were to die tonight, you don't know for sure that you would have eternal life. You'd say, well, I hope so. But tonight you can be sure. Because Jesus drank your cup, Jesus carried your load, Jesus Christ was good enough. You put your trust in him and there's nothing separating you from God. Maybe this thirdly is true. You believe in God, 
but you couldn't say you really know him personally. Folks, if any one of those three statements is true of you, the chances are you've never fully given your life to Christ. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now, to come to Jesus. So we're going to quieten down in a second. We're going to pray a prayer. This prayer says three things. Number one, it says, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. Number two, it says, thank you for dying on the cross in my place. Number three, it says, I'm turning to you. And if you want to make that prayer your prayer tonight, you can come to Jesus Christ. And then I'll ask you, if you want to make that prayer your prayer, I'll ask you firstly to raise your hand. And then secondly, if you have raised your hand, I'll ask you to come forward. Once the hands are up, I'll ask youth leaders to open their eyes and just to see if there's somebody around them, somebody nearby who's got their hand up, then your youth leader or somebody near you can come to you. You can come forward as a pair together and you can put your trust in Christ. I'm going to ask now whether we could all for the prayer, I realize that many of you have been asked to move in the last few minutes, so don't worry, it's fine. But could we now just be quiet for a moment for the prayer? And this is for the benefit of those people who tonight are making their peace with God for the very first time. This prayer will take 30 seconds, no more. But could you just be still for these 30 seconds, wherever you are? Let's pray. You don't have to pray out loud. This can be entirely silent. God will know that you mean these words. But for some people, these 30 seconds are crucial. Let's pray, shall we? And maybe tonight in your heart, you're praying something like this. Dear Lord God, I have sinned and I have fallen short of your glory. And I am sorry for my selfishness. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the wrong things that I have done. But thank you so much tonight for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross in my place as my substitute instead of me. And now I am turning to you. If you want to make that prayer your prayer, just put your hand up right now. Put your hand up nice and high. If you want to hand in your past and receive his future. You want to hand in your death and receive his resurrection. You want to hand in your sin and receive his forgiveness. You want the mercy and tender forgiveness of God. You want to know this God who loved you so much that he gave his only son. If you've never become a Christian, raise your hand right now. You want to swap with Jesus right now. You want his righteousness. You want this man who drank your cup, who carried your load. You want the righteousness. You want to be in Christ. Just raise your hand right now. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, the first part of saying yes to Christ tonight is to put your hand up. The second part is to come forward and make a stand here in front of the cross for Jesus Christ. So if you've raised your hand, you maybe got a friend with you or maybe you've got your youth leader with you. If you raised your hand a moment ago, I'm going to ask you right now to find your way, however long it takes, come to the front, come to the cross, come to Jesus right now. Come on. Come to this one. Come to Jesus. He drank your cup. He drank it back. He took a big, big, big sip. And there on the cross, he took your shame. He took your pain in his own body. He carried the load. He bore your shame. He drank your cup. Once you come to him, come to Jesus. Jesus Christ, who carried your load. He bore the weight of your sin. And he carried it all the way to Calvary. And he stumbled under the load. And there at the cross, he bore the shame. He took it upon the cross. He was crucified for you. He bore your shame. He took your pain. He took your load. He took all the offenses of everybody who would ever believe. He put his, you can put your trust in him tonight. And if you come to him tonight, you can be changed. You can be cleansed. Come to Jesus. Come and put your trust in him. And if you come tonight, those ten things will be true of you. You'll know God as your father. You'll be a child of God. Secondly, you'll have eternal life. Thirdly, you'll have abundant life. Fourthly, you'll be a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You'll be a new creation. Fifthly, there's no condemnation for you if you're in Christ. Sixthly, you'll have peace with God. 
All your sins are washed away. Seventhly, nothing will ever separate you from the love of Christ. Eighthly, you won't just be in Christ, but Jesus Christ will be in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will live in you tonight. And if tough things happen, Jesus Christ will stand with you and God will bring something good out of that situation. And tonight you can be seated with Christ in heavenly places. Come on, come to him. Trust in him. Come to Jesus. He drank your cup. Come to him. It's already dealt with. Jesus Christ died for you. You can know the love of God right now. Wonderful. Okay. Awesome. Well, I think you guys have done so well. In a moment, we're going to give an opportunity for everybody. In just a moment, we're going to move this cross. The guys are ready. They're going to move the cross right into this space that we, we, we've created at the front. And, and, but just, can I just say something to you guys who've come forward? Hey, you've done so well. I mean, in front of all your contemporaries, you could have thought, oh, yeah, but if I go forward, what will so-and-so think? But you thought, blow it. I, you know, whatever they think, Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. I can walk 100 yards for him. Fantastic. Come on, let's encourage these guys. Well done. Well done, you. God bless you. Well done. Fantastic. God bless you all. Fantastic. Okay, now, for the next few minutes, we want to help you to make a considered decision we talked in that prayer. The last thing that you prayed in that prayer was, I am turning to you. And when we were praying, I am turning to you, you know what? That step, the Bible calls it repentance. You turn away from what you know to be wrong. You turn towards Christ. We'd love to explain what's involved so you can make a considered decision. We want this to be earth for you. We want this to make a difference when you go back to the rest of your life. We want what you decide to do in a tent in Norfolk to make a difference for the rest of your life. And to pray that through so that you know what you're doing Probably for the next five minutes, the best place to have a conversation and pray that through with your youth leader, your friend, or with a ministry team member won't be right here because it'll be too loud. In a minute, it will become loud. So just for these five minutes, all of you guys at the front will all get a chance to join in. And if you need to forgive someone, you can take part in this tonight. But just for now, for those five minutes, we'd love to chat to you somewhere where we can be heard. So would you guys just mind right now following the ministry team, guys? They're going to lead you to my right out of the door eight. God bless you guys. Well done you. God bless you. I guess we'll have three groups of us who are going to come forward right now. First of all, those of you, and reality, you need to release somebody, and that somebody is you. You haven't yet totally forgiven yourself for something that you did wrong. So, somebody near you will, will get a pencil and a pen to every single person, a tiny little golf card pencil like this one. Somebody will give this to you. Don't worry, we've got time. And then you'll have a post-it note and you'll write your own name on here and we've got time. You'll be able to slowly make your way from wherever you are. You write down where you are, your own name. You're folded up. Nobody will ever see. No human being will ever see. Folded up really tight and you'll post it in this cross. And as some are doing that, others of you you'll be writing down those three letters, G-O-D, because in reality for you, you have been holding a grudge against God for something that he allowed to happen. Now, I don't know why God allowed that event to happen. And you don't know why God allowed that event to happen. But just because you don't know the reason, it doesn't mean that there isn't a reason. It could be that actually one day, from your vantage point, when you are in heaven, you're going to see this vast picture, a fantastic picture, and you'll see how every single event in your life is part of a vast jigsaw, and how actually that event does fit into a bigger picture, but there's no way you could ever know in this life. Tonight, you're deciding... I am no longer requiring an explanation in this life for why God let it happen. Tonight, you are deciding to let it go. And you'll literally let it go. You'll literally write, write the word God. You'll walk past the cross and you'll leave it 
at the cross. And that will be one of the most powerful moments in your entire life. And still others of you, you'll forgive the person who hurt you. Now, the biggest mistake that we can make right now is to think that those people who do successfully forgive do so because they feel forgiveness welling up. They feel sympathy for their enemy. Well, no, this is about a decision. You know, if I had a video of your life, I could show you how when you were a kid, you didn't feel like brushing your teeth. But now you're so glad you decided to brush your teeth. If I had a video of your life, I could show you the best day of your whole life, and I could show you on video how you didn't feel like getting out of bed that morning. But now, you're so glad you did. Folks, tonight, as we forgive our enemy, the person who hurt us, we're not waiting for feelings. This is not about feelings. This is about a decision. Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. I am passing on the forgiveness that I received. Tonight, I'm doing myself a favor. I want to be free. There's no rush. You don't have to have a stampede. But tonight, whenever you get your piece of paper and your your pencil, the night's still young, you can make your way forward. Fold it up really tight. I promise you, no human being will ever see what you wrote. You'll post it into the cross. You'll leave it at the cross. And tonight, you can let the past be past at last. We're going to sing as people come forward, put their piece of paper in the cross, and then find their way back to their seats. Let's sing and celebrate, shall we?